Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke, and this is my co-host Rod. How's it going everyone? He's coming in great, but um, this is a Discord podcast, just forgive the audio-ish. Um, but today we're talking about the Vikings, and more specifically their contact with um, North America around the 1100s-ish, and their interactions with the Proto-Inuit. The problem is that this is still a relatively expanding field of study and a newer field because for the longest time, like, archaeologists didn't even know this was a thing. Um, we, we have no firsthand accounts from the, what it would have been at that time, what would have been the Proto-Inuit. Um, we only have first two firsthand accounts, um, from the Viking side. And those are, uh, Vikings songs about North America. Um, is killing me but (laughs) anyways they they only had two i guess you would call them songs or the the, once again these were oral traditions that they passed down so maybe maybe they'd be more of like hymns yeah i'll i'll find the name of them but um (laughs) we're just it, it the, so, like, they, they didn't call them Native Americans, obviously. They called the uh, Proto-Inuit Skrylings, Skrayling. Um, the best word translation that we have for that is literally, like, Screecher is kind of, like, the best translation. But, um... So I'm I'm going to start with a more general history and then we'll get to that. So from around 800 to the 1100s AD, a vast number of Scandinavians left their homelands to seek their fortunes elsewhere. These seafaring warriors known collectively as Vikings or Norsemen began by raiding coastal sites, especially undefended monasteries in the British Isles. Over the next centuries, they would leave their mark as pirates, raiders, traders, and settlers on much of Britain and the European continent, as well as modern-day Russia, Iceland, Greenland, and Newfoundland. And, you know, that's the thing. They went from Greenland to Iceland to Newfoundland. And that's another problem is we've only found one of their sites on North America so we're not exactly still sure where they made contact with the Native Americans the Proto-Inuit however you want to refer to them Uh, (laughs) so most of the Vikings whose activities are best known came from the areas now known as Denmark Norway and Sweden 
Though there are mentions in historical records of Finnish, Estonian, and Sami Vikings as well, their common ground and what made them different from the European peoples they confronted was that they came from a foreign land. They were not, quote, civilized in the local understanding of the word, and they weren't Christian. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about uh, the North American ones. Um, but basically it's just, okay, I'm, I'm sorry I was wrong. They went from Iceland to Greenland and then <laughs> kind of went north and then kind of looped around Canada and then finally hit um, somewhere in North America where they ran across the Proto-Inuit, right? So um, we've they reached Iceland at least about 900 AD and from Iceland we found colonies in Greenland and they started attempted uh, founding colonies in North America um, and the okay so I found the names of the two they're, they're called sagas Jared so those are my, so that's what they kind of like used for their history with sagas, right? So, um, one was called Saga of the Greenlanders, and Eric the Red's Saga, and they offer somewhat different accounts of the first Viking visits to North America, which they called Vinland, um, which translates as the land of wild grapes. The problem with Vinland or Vineland is we're not, I remember specifically them saying that like they, they don't really know what exact, exactly what kind of berries they came across. They just, you know, they called it Vinland because they made wine out of these grapes. So we're not <laughs> exactly sure what, um, they call these grapes, but um, the the most important thing that they were finding in Vinland that they weren't finding in Greenland, of course, were trees, right? So <laughs> they had a vested interest to, you know, settle Vinland, but the problem is they just, they were far outnumbered by the Native Americans that had been there for far longer. Um, so I'm just going to read this small part and then I'll kick it off to you, Jared. Um, so according to the, the saga of the Greenlanders, the first European to sight mainland North America was Bjarni Herjolfsson, whose Greenland-bound ship was blown westward off course about 985 and skirted the coastline of eastern Canada before returning to Greenland. This tradition contends that about 1,000, a crew of 35, okay, sorry, that about 1,000 AD, a crew of 35 men, led by Leif Erikson, son of Eric the Red, went in search of the land sighted by Bjarni and found their way to Eastern Canada. Um, subsequent voyages 
were said to have been undertaken by Leif's brothers and another voyage led by Icelandic trader Thorfinn Karl, Karl Sefni, these names are really hard, reportedly remained in Vinland for some three years. So I'll kick it over to Gerard. Yeah, difficult time reading those names. Just wait until I try. <laughs> yeah. You guys will be good for a shock. Um, so the Norse colonization of North America, um, it began in the late 10th, uh, 10th century, like Luke was saying. The Norsemen explored and settled areas of the North Atlantic, uh, including the north eastern fringes of North America. Uh, remains of the Norse uh, buildings found at Lundsuk. Ock Meadow, near the northern tip of Newfoundland in 1960, date approximately a thousand years ago. Carbon dating estimated 990 to 1050 AD, with tree ring analysis of structures of the date uh, at the site dating to uh, 1021. Um, mean carbon date of uh, 1014. This discovery aided the recognition of archaeological exploration for the Norse in the North Atlantic. This uh, single sediment settlement located in the island of Newfoundland um, and not in the North American mainland was abruptly abandoned. <clears throat> North Norse settlements on the North American island of Greenland lasted for almost 500 years. Uh, Lais Ak Meadow, um, the only confirmed North Norse site in present-day Canada, was, a, was small and did not last long. Voyages, for example, to collect timber are likely to have occurred for some time, but no evidence of any North Norse settlements on mainland North America lasting beyond the 16th century. So they don't have proof of it, but um, there's potential for it, I guess, is the main thing. Um, according to the sagas of the Icelanders, um, Norsemen from Iceland first settled in Greenland in the 980s or 980s. There's no special reason to doubt the authority of the information that these the sagas supply regarding the very beginning of the settlement, but they cannot be treated as primary evidence for the history of uh, Norse Greenland because they embody the uh, uh, literary preoccupation of writers and audiences in medieval Iceland that are not always reliable. Eric the Red, um, Old Norse's Eric Rock, um, having been banished from Iceland for manslaughter, exploring the uninhabited uh, western uh, southwestern coast of Greenland during the three years of his banishment, he made plans to entice settlers to the area, naming it Greenland, on the assumption that people would be more eager to go there because the land had a good name. The inners reached one long uh, fjord named Urkfor uh, after him, where he was eventually established his estate of Brafhild. Um, he issued uh, tracts of land to his followers. Uh, North Greenland consisted of two settlements. The eastern was the uh, southwestern tip of Greenland, where the western settlement was about 500 kilometers up the west coast and inland from present-day Nuuk. A smaller settlement near the eastern settlement is sometimes considered the middle settlement. Combined population is around 2,000 to 3,000 people. At least 400 farms have, ended, uh, have been identified by archaeologists. North Greenland had a... Uh, uh, fish horrific or uh, girl and explore exported uh, walrus ivory furs rope sheep whale uh, sea uh, seal blubber live animals such as polar bears supposed unicorn horns in reality uh, norwal tusks and cattle hides in 1126 the population requested a bishop headquartered at Gorok. Uh, in 1261, they accepted the overlordship of the Norwegian king, 
Um, they continued to have their own law and became almost completely politically independent after uh, 1349. Um, the time of the Black Death in the, uh, 1380, the Kingdom of Norway entered into a personal union with the Kingdom of Denmark. Interesting. Um, so this is a, uh, so I will go ahead and toss it back to you, Luke, because the rest of that article mainly talks about climate and Western trade and decline. Um, so I'll toss it back to you. Um, and then I will, uh, after you're done with that, I have a BBC article about new evidence of Viking life in America. Oh yeah. Is that the one from 1021 AD? Uh, no, this is from April 1st, 2016. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I don't know what date this one has specifically. In about 800 AD. Um, the Britain felt the uh, fury of these men, so that wasn't it. Um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and let you uh, talk about your thing, and then I will talk about this one, I guess. Okay, so looks interesting. The only f for sure um, Viking settlement we've found so far in North America is actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site in Newfoundland, Canada. Uh, It's called La Anse Ah Meadows. And scientists say that Vikings had occupied the site in 1021 AD, which would put it almost 500 years before everybody's favorite Christopher Columbus. <laughs> so, um, how they were actually. I know this is. I know this is dumb, but when was uh, Christopher Columbus? Like 14-something? Oh, God. Four... I completely forgot my history lessons. Uh, Christopher Columbus sold the, sailed the ocean blue in 1942, or 1492. Duh. I'm stupid. 1942? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very recently. Now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. <laughs> and it... It was not because he thought the world was flat and was trying to prove it was round. He was trying to find a second route to India. So that's why he headed out that way. Uh, okay. So where do we get this date of 1021 AD? The association of these pieces with the Norse is based on detailed research previously conducted by Parks Canada. The study says, adding that there was clear evidence the sampled wood had been modified by metal tools, which, um, you know, I've done a fair amount of studying and listening to podcasts and YouTube videos on histories of the various, various um, Native American peoples throughout North and South America uh, in pre European contact metallurgy um, for what we've what evidence we found of it they mainly you know were um, using it for decoration right like uh, you, you know like gold necklaces or gold figurines or shoelaces. Uh, You know, just art, artwork and decoration uh, trappings they'd wear or whatever. Um, there's not 
there's very few, if any, evidence for uh, metallurgy. So, um, obviously, the Vikings knew how to do it. So, you know, anyways. Uh, so, the... I mean, weren't there, weren't there uh, weapons iron at some point? So, uh, one, to me, one of the more advanced Native American weapons, okay, like the Aztecs, Jared, they had something called the Makwa Hedel. Like, imagine like a... You're talking about the, the Vikings. Oh, my bad. I thought you were talking about the Vikings. Yeah, the Native Americans used, like, uh, they used, like, obsidian and stuff like that. They never yeah. used for weapons and stones. They never used, like, actual metal. Right. For... In terms of weapons, at least. I mean, you know, they still had the bow and arrow. They still had uh, spears, clubs, uh, hammers, whatever. But, like, those were, like, stone tools or, you know, they, they didn't use metal tools or weapons. But, okay, like the Makwa Hedel, we actually, <laughs> we only have descriptions of this. But, like, if you imagine, like, a... You know, like a paddle that is flat and you can hold with two hands. What they did, Jared, is they, you know how you said obsidian? Yeah. Yeah, so they took sharpened obsidian and like like on both sides of this uh paddle or club or whatever they like shoved it in both sides you know all the way up and down <laughs> and like use like use it as like basically a two-handed sword you know like how sharp obsidian can be and whatnot and there's like there's even one uh what what are they called the uh the, the guys that conquered the, you know, Cortez was one. The, what, what were they called? The, uh, the conquistadors. Um, there's one where, like, a Native American had one of these uh, two-handed paddle maquahedals and swung it, and he completely lopped off a horse's head in, like, one swing of it said to be extremely sharp because of the obsidian and the uh, best example to like modern times or a modern tool um would be like a cricket bat right uh, that was that was something that looked extremely similar to what luke is talking about is a cricket bat yeah I'll, I'll... instead of it being wood instead of it being wood it had obsidian blades on the outsides of it that they would uh, sh uh they wouldn't sharpen but they'd break off the obsidian pieces and put them into the wood and that's what would then make the sharp edge oh so you found a picture of it of a cricket paddle, yeah. No, it's called a mockway. I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. But anyways, so... I, I've seen it before. I've seen it before. Yeah. Okay, so um, it's suggested that this short-lived settlement was active in about 1021 when wood was being worked at the site, probably related to either building or ship repair. Um, so they mainly saw Newfoundland... Maybe not really as a settle, settlement place, but as a place to feed the Greenland settlement, you know, for timber. Um, and this is the 
The site is found on the northernmost tip of the island of Newfoundland, and it is the first and only acknowledged known site established by Vikings in North America, even though, according to these sagas that I'm going to get into in a minute, um, they're, you know, they definitely had contact with, I, I call them proto-Inuit, but, I mean, they're, in this one, they're calling them um, Aborigines, which I don't, I mean, that to me means like Australian native. So I don't yeah, really. That's kind of what comes to my mind as well with that same word as Australian native. Yeah. Because like. Oh, excuse me. The Native Americans that lived in that area, you know, even though they had trees and whatnot, wouldn't, wouldn't they go on to be the Inuit? I mean, <laughs> they're they're in Canada, you know, like it's freaking. Oh, it, it's freaking. Yeah, because any Inuits are also the ones that live up in like the uh, northern hemisphere with uh, like the uh, igloos and whatnot too. Right, because um, like I, I'm looking up Newfoundland, and you know it's just <laughs> if if you look at Greenland. Well, sorry, if you look at can if you're thinking of Canada, Jared, it's in the northernmost east tip of Canada. So, you know, it still would be very cold. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely kind of Arctic climate. Yeah. So, um why why don't I kick it back to you and then I'm gonna get into one of the accounts with uh the Norse Vikings. Sounds good. A new discovery has revealed that the Vikings may have traveled hundreds of miles further into North America than previously thought. It's well known that they reached the tip of the continent more than a thousand years ago, but the full extent of their exploration has remained a mystery. After a long hike across a boggy ground through thick pine forests, clutching pepper spray to protect against bear attacks, um, a small team of archaeologists stood out an exposed, wind-blasted he headland in North America. Exhausted but happy, they had been led to Point Rose in Newfoundland by uh, the most high-tech weaponry in the modern archaeological arsenal satellite data, captured 383 miles above Earth. But once uh, here, they were uh, back to using trolls, uh, trolls and brushes, um, and uh, uh, and what could be a seismic discovery. We're here on the trail of one of the greatest maritime cultures of all time. Um, we were here to inspired by ancient chronicles, which many have written off as uh, fairy stories. We are looking for Vikings. Point Rose, a uh, picture of Canada. Uh, in about 800 AD, Britain left a, uh, felt the furry, uh, fury of these men <laughs> in the north. Porto Mahak was one of Scotland's most prosperous and important communities um, on a protected bay on eastern Ro Ross. On the edge of highlands it was well placed as a waypoint for merchants travelers pilgrims moving along the east coast recent excavations have given us a picture of a wealthy monastery at its heart scriptures were copied on to uh, carefully prepared animal skin parchment by monks skilled craftsmen created beautiful jewel encrusted religious ornaments sculptors carved intricate 
Celtic crosses, trade was the source of these riches. The sea brought them wealth, but the sea also brought destruction. Um, archaeologists have revealed that uh, Portsmouth Hawk was suddenly and utterly destroyed. They found smashed frag- frag- uh, fragments of sculpture, sculptures uh, mingled with the t- ashes of torched buildings. These settlements, the settlement was wiped out. It's impossible to be certain, but historians now think the most likely explanation is that it was attacked and looted. When I visited it a couple of months before uh, the trip to Point Rose, I had a piece of skull in my hand, presumably from a monk. It has been shattered by a mighty blow. The sword's blade left a deep uh, gouge that made uh, makes the cause of death clear. Who are these men who slaughtered God's servants and annihilated one of the oldest Christian sites in Britain? Almost certainly they are the men who cared nothing for the Christian God, men who came in ships from the north and west, and men who sought gold. Vikings. The attack on a Port Mahawk um, uh, is the only Viking raid in British in Britain for which we have archaeological evidence. Others, such as the attack on Lindisfarne, at about the same time, echo only through the reports recorded in Chronicles. Together, these two violent raids marked the start of an era of attacks from across the North Sea. The Vikings, or Norse, exploded out of Sweden and Denmark and Norway using a hugely sophisticated navigation skills. Um, shipbuilding technology as they pushed even further into the wider world. Uh, Vikings conquered uh, Normandy and France, the land of the Northmen, even parts of Italy and the Levant. Um, They also founded uh, Dublin and made deep inroads into England. Ireland hopped across the North Atlantic, Orkney, uh, Shetland, uh, Fair Isles, and Iceland. They even crossed into Greenland, where I I visited stunning Viking sites on the coast, dodging icebergs to get ashore. But perhaps the greatest achievement is the one shrouded in the mystery, in the most mystery. How did they get to North America? If so, was it a fleeting visit or did they colonize that distant coast too? Centuries before Christopher Columbus, the descendants of the Vikings left sagas. Beautiful works of literature, in fact, and fiction are uh, poetically intermixed. They clearly state that the intrepid Leif Erikson led an expedition to the east coast of North America. They describe the good harbors and abundance of natural resources. One of the most fascinating mysteries in history is whether these can be believed. Um, In 1960, a site of the very most northern tip of Newfoundland in Canada, Louis Ox Metal, was investigated and archaeologists were convinced that it was a Viking settlement. The world woke up to the fact that the Vikings had reached North America before any other Europeans, but no other site has been identified. The search for a Viking America has stalled until now. Um, using satellite imagery to look for irregularities in the soil, potentially caused by man-made structures which lie beneath, she uh, has used this technology to find ancient sites in Egypt. A few years ago, she scored... Um, scoured the Roman Empire where she identified the sites of the great lighthouses at the ports near Rome and several other buildings uh, from a fort in Tunisia uh, uh, to ramparts in Romania. Last year she decided to search for the Vikings. And her, her, her she's an archaeologist by the way. Uh, what was her name? Sarah Parcat? Parcat? something like that it wasn't easy they traveled through uh traveled light and left nothing behind no massive stone theaters for them um they voyaged in long ships with strong oak keels thin overlapping planks uh fanning out to form the iconic graceful halls the gaps between the planks were stuffed with animal hair and tar the rudder was fixed on with a twisted birch uh sapling the sails spun from wool uh food was 
plucked her- uh, herrings, lamb smoked uh, using uh, reindeer droppings, fermented salmon, and almost everything on a Viking ship would get recycled or rot away. But they did leave a trace, and uh, Parkat's team was determined to pick up pick it up, however faint. They scanned satellite pictures from across the east coast of America. Several sites appeared worthy of following up, but they had decided on one for a dig. In the end, they opted for a headland, um, uh, almost the very western tip of Newfoundland, 400 miles further south and west than the only known Viking site in North America. It overlooked two bays, offering protection for ships from any wind direction. Uh, Parkat uh, saw oddities in the soil that stood out, patterns and discolorations that suggested artificial man-made structures, possibly even Viking longhouses once stood there. It was a time to leave the lab and head out into the field. For a couple of weeks, Parkat led the team as they carefully probed the ground that she had first spotted thanks to satellite, uh, satellites hundreds of miles away in space. Newfoundland's climate is as brutal as it is in our, brood, our British Isles, with hail, gales, sweltering sun, driving rain. Exploratory trenches were flooded, equipment blew away, but they toughed it out and found something tantalizing. Once before in her lab, Sarah has shown me images of... Uh, what she thought might be the site of burning or metalwork. Sure enough, when she started to dig on that exact spot, she found something, something that might prove a breakthrough. Carefully peeling back the layers of earth, she found what seemed to be a hearth. Hearth. A black and... Huh? Hearth. That's what I said, a hearth. A hearth. Uh, the blackened rock testified uh, to the intense temperatures beneath it were piles of charcoal mis- mixed with cooking bog iron, an iron deposit that needed to be baked to drive off impurities and allow the iron to be extracted for smelting. Surrounding the hearth appeared to be a turf wall uh, of the kind built by Viking settlers across the North Atlantic. I am absolutely thrilled, said Parkat Parkop. Her cat. I can't pronounce her name. Uh, typically, an archaeology kid ever get uh, only ever get to write a footnote in history books, but what we seem to have at Point Rose may be the beginning of an entirely new chapter. This site could unravel more secrets about the Vikings, whether they were first. Europeans to occupy briefly in North America and reveal that the Vikings dared to explore much further into the new world than we originally ever thought. Um, she immediately checked that there could be no other explanations for the de- these deposits. Newfoundland history historian uh, Olaf Jensen was certain. No other groups of settlers roasted bog iron in Newfoundland. Nothing has been proven yet, but it looks like Parkat Parkat might have uh, found evidence for Viking exploration in North America that goes much further than just one site discovered in the 60s. This find has a potential to change history, says Douglas Bolander, an expert on Viking settlements who has spent 15 years tracking the Vikings across North Atlantic. Right now, the simplest answer is that it looks like a small activity area, maybe connected to a larger farm that is Norse. He is excited and can't see what can't wait to see what uh further excavation reveals he's hoping that seeds or other organic material can be carbon dated will be unearthed as well if parkat parkat uh has found evidence of another viking site it will ignite a new search for viking settlements across eastern canada and new england perhaps as far south as new york and even beyond technology has unlocked uh Long forgotten stories from our past, technology is getting even more sophisticated, and for those of us who are fascinated by the travels of the the intrepid Norsemen, the next few years will provide even more inspiration. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Okay, um, so, whatever. Oh, you look, uh, I'll be right back. 
Oh, great. Okay. Um, so... Still be listening. I'll talk about your thingy. <laughs> okay. Um, so I actually found out the name of the tribe that scientists think that they interacted with the uh, Norsemen. Sadly, this tribe is now um, considered uh, extinct. They were known as the Beothuk. Beothuk. Um, and that is spelled B-E-O-T-H-U-K. Um, they were a group of indigenous people who lived on the island of Newfoundland beginning around 18, AD 1500. Their culture formed, and this appeared to be the most recent cultural manifestation of peoples who first migrated from Labrador to present-day Newfoundland around 1 AD. Um, and Labrador is a nearby island. Um, the ancestors of the Beotec uh, group had three earlier cultural phases, each lasting approximately uh, 500 years. So this cultural group, um, I guess, migrated from basically Quebec to this island. And uh, I would just like to mention that um, on this Wikipedia page of them, they are considered to be a subset of the Inuit. So, not to toot my own horn, but they were proto-Inuit, or people that would be associated with that cultural group. And uh, so, in a sense, I was right. But anyways, um, well... Uh, get into the uh, their culture in a second, but um, I just want to talk about the uh, encounter of Vikings and Schreilinger, um, the Beotech, or they also give the Dorset peoples as a um, another name of the people they encountered in Vinland and they go on to say this is the region of Labrador and Newfoundland. So uh, we start with um, from about 980 to 1400 AD the Norse maintained two settlements on the southern coast of Greenland. From there they explored the mainland of North America naming the region's Haluland, uh, Markland, and Vinland. Wineland, probably Newfoundland and southern Labrador. Labrador is right next to Quebec, which I think we've all heard of. About 1005, Thorvald Eriksson sailed from Greenland to explore the region his brother had named Vinland. There, he and his men encountered the native inhabitants, probably the Beotech people. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so now Thorvald, with the advice of his brother Leif, prepared to make this voyage with 30 men. They put their ship in order and sailed out to sea. And there is no account of their voyage before their arrival at Leif's booths in Vinland. They laid up their ship there and remained there quietly during the winter, supplying themselves with food by fishing. In the spring, however, Thorvald said that they should put their ship in order and that a few men should take the afterboat and proceed along the western coast and explore the region during the summer. They found it a fair, well-wooded country. It was but a short distance from the woods to the sea, and there were white sands, as well as great numbers of islands and shallows. They found neither dwelling of man nor lair of beast. But in one of the westerly islands, they found a wooden building for the shelter of grain. They found no other trace of human handiwork, and they turned back and arrived at Leif's booths in the autumn. The following summer, Thorvald set out towards the east with the ship, and along the northern coast, they were met by a high wind off a certain promontory and were driven ashore there and damaged the keel of their ship and were compelled to remain there for a long time and repair the injured vessel. Then said Thorvald to his companions, quote, I propose that we raise the keel upon this cape and call it keelness. And so they did. Then they sailed away to the eastward off the land and into the mouth of the adjoining firth and into a headland which projected into the sea there and which was entirely covered with woods. They found an anchorage for their ship and put out the gangway to the land and Thorvald and all of his companions went ashore. It is a fair region here, said he, and here I should like to make my home. Then they returned to the ship and discovered on the sands in between the headland three mountains. They went up to these and saw that they were three skin canoes with three men under each. Which I don't really understand because like it's implied that these canoes were just laying in the like they were laying on the ground and these Proto-Inuit were just, I guess, hiding underneath these canoes. Um, so there were nine men in all, um, three men under each of these canoes. They thereupon divided their potty, party, sorry, and succeeded in seizing all the men but one who escaped with his canoe. They killed the eight men and then ascended the headland again and looked about them and discovered within the fifth certain hillocks, which they conclude must be habitations. They were then so overpowered with sleep that they could not keep awake and all fell into a heavy slumber from which they were awakened by the sound of a cry uttered above them. And the words of the cry were, Awake, Thorvald, thou and all thy company, if thou wouldst save thy life and board thy ship with all thy men and sail with all speed from the land. A countless number of skin canoes then advanced towards them from the inner part of the firth, whereupon Thorvald exclaimed, We must put out the war boards on both sides of the ship and defend ourselves to the best of our ability, but offer little attack. This they did in the scrylings 
after they had shot at them for a time, fled precipitative, precipitately, each as best as he could. Yeah. These, <laughs> these are not fun to read. Yeah. Thorvald then inquired of his men whether any of them had been wounded, and they informed him that not one of them had received a wound. I've been wounded in my armpit, says he. An arrow flew in between the gunwale and the shield below my arm. Here's the shaft, and it will bring me to my end. I counsel you now to retrace your way with the utmost speed, but me ye shall convey to that headland, which seemed to me to offer so pleasant a dwelling place. Thus it may be fulfilled that the truth sprang to my lips when I expressed the wish to abide there for a time. Ye shall bury me there and place a cross at my head and another at my feet and call it crossness forever after. Uh, okay. So Thorvald died and they had carried out his injunctions. They took their departure and rejoined their companions. And they told each other of the experiences which had befallen them. They remained there during the winter and gathered grapes and wood with which to freight the ship. In the following spring, they returned to Greenland and arrived with their ship in Eriksfirth, where they were able to recount great tidings to Leif. Um, so there was a whole separate band of Vikings that uh, followed after these events and tried to... Um, after Leif Erikson's group? Well, after Thorvald Erikson's group mm. that interacted with the um, natives. But the problem is, is they uh, traded with the um, natives there. And for whatever reason, the Native Americans attacked this uh, second settlement of Vikings again. And, you know, then the Vikings, besides like coming back periodically to, um, you know, collect timber for Greenland, they didn't ever bother trying to oh, settle this island, Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Um, so... Now I would just like to kind of end on the Native American side um, of the Proto-Inuit tribe that they um, encountered. So the, can I just spell the name of the people to, uh, so you can look them up, Jerk? May I try to pronounce it and butcher it horribly? Yeah, don't don't say it the way I. It's I'm calling it bio biotech, but it's spelled it's spelled b e o t h u k. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So. They were actually a relatively small tribe. Um, there's purportedly good evidence that there may have been no more than 500 to 700 people 
in this tribe. They lived in independent, self-sufficient, extended family groups of 30 to 50 people. Like many other hunter-gatherers, they appear to have had band leaders, but probably were not more formal chiefs. They lived in conical dwellings known as Mama Teaks, which were fortified for the winter seasons. They were constructed by arranging poles in a circle, tying them at the top, and covering them with birch bark. Kind of sounds like a teepee. I don't know. The floors were dug... The floors were dug with hollows used for sleeping, and a fireplace was made at the center. So it it sounds like a more um, permanent dwelling, right? Yeah. So during the spring, the Bayo Tech used red ochre to paint not only their bodies, but also their houses, canoes, weapons, household appliances, and musical instruments. This practice led Europeans to refer to them as, quote, Red Indians. The use of ochre had great cultural significance. The decorating was done during an annual multi-day spring celebration, and it designated tribal identity. Um, For example, decorating newborn children was a way to welcome them into the tribe. Forbidding a person to wear ochre was a uh, form of punishment. Their main sources of food were caribou, salmon, and seals, augmented by harvesting other animals and plant species. The Bayotech followed the seasonal migratory habits of their principal quarry, um, where in the fall they set up deer fences, sometimes 30 to 40 miles long, used to drive migrating caribou towards waiting hunters armed with bows and arrows. The Bayotech are also known to have made a pudding out of tree sap and the dried yolk of the eggs of the great auk. Um, Tree sap. I was going to say that sounds like a messy, sticky situation. Tree sap pudding. They preserve surplus food for use during winter trapped various fur-bearing animals, and worked their skins for warm clothing. The fur side was worn next to the skin to trap air against a person's body. Bayotech canoes were made of caribou or seal skin, and the bow of the canoe was stiffened with spruce bark. Canoes resembled kayaks and were said to be 15 feet in length and two and a half feet in width with enough room to carry children dogs, and property. The Bayotech followed elaborate burial practices. After wrapping the bodies of the dead in birch bark, they buried the dead in isolated locations. In one form, a shallow grave was covered with a rock pile. At other times, they laid the body on a scaffold or placed it in a burial box with the knees folded. The survivors placed offerings at burial sites to accompany the dead, such as figurines, pendants, and replicas of tools. Um, do you have anything to add, Gerard? I do have one more article, but it's just uh, talking about Leif Erikson and a lot of it we've already talked about, um, like around 1000 AD, following his arrival, several other ancient Scandinavians made the journey west across the Atlantic, settled on the coast of Canada. Uh, because the Vikings did not permanently settle in North America, historians are limited to evidence and can only spark- speculate how far south they traveled down the mainland of present-day America. 
Um, so the one, only one... evidence that has been found is the Laysan Ox Meadow in Newfoundland, which is the one we talked about. Yeah, which um, we've touched on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the answers to these questions, ancient Scandinavian literature, such as Norse sagas, um, as well as hard evidence like archaeological uh, discoveries. Um, the peak of the civilization was between the 8th and 11th century AD. Their ancestors can be tracked back earlier than that, and their descendants can be identified after that, but historians agree that the period was the zenith of their collective reign. Um, ancient Northmen, Norsemen uh, are widely known for their seafaring culture that includes trading with, uh, raiding coastal countries in Western Europe, such as England and Ireland. Their raids particularly were known for being brutal and excessive. Um, avid explorers and adventurers discovering and settling new lands, such as present-day Iceland, Greenland, the Faroe Islands, even the eastern coast of North America. Um, their advanced shipbuilding technology and craftsmanship made possible explorations to faraway lands. Viking ships allowed the ancient Scandinavians to s sail further and faster away from home. Um, but, but, but without this advanced shipbuilding techniques, the Viking phenomena would have likely not happened. Their sailing eventually led them west. Within Viking history, there are several notable figures who would be instrumental in the discovery of North America. Bjorn Hawkerson, a North merchant, a Norse merchant, Eric the Red. Jarl, um, chief of Greenland settlement, Leif Erikson, son of Eric the Red, Norse adventurer and Jarl of Greenland, and Thor uh, Thornfinn Karlsson, a Norse trader and adventurer, excuse me. Understanding more about these legendary Vikings helped people learn their motivation for traveling further westward and across vast and cold oceans. But yeah, that's about all I had. Okay. Um, so here's... Here close to an hour now, right? Here's my, yeah, we're at 15 minutes. Um, I, I guess I would just like to speculate really quick. Like, wouldn't the Vikings have had European diseases traveling with them too? So, like, I, I'm just saying, like, I don't really understand that because it's like, wouldn't, like those diseases have spread to the local Native American tribes. I mean, like, like smallpox devastated the Native Americans. You know, like, yeah, I, you know, like, surely something would have, uh, you know, if they're saying the Vikings traveled in so far land, wouldn't there be? Any evidence of, like, many plagues or whatever that would have wiped out local tribes of Native Americans, you know, 400 years before Europeans settled there? Well, let me ask you this. What type of evidence would there have been? Because there's no written history of it, and the Vikings wouldn't have known that they spread something to the Native Americans. The only history that would have been there would have been oral traditions of the Native Americans themselves, but if they died because of a plague, they wouldn't have been around to spread the oral tradition. And then there's no history or evidence of them coming in contact with Vikings, so all we know is that their city died out, and we could only speculate from what. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean? that... So that there's, uh, it's, there's no hard evidence to determine that, and it's really, really hard to figure that out as well. I see what you're saying, and there's definitely a possibility of that, and more than likely that did happen in some instances, but the, there's, there's just no evidence, hard evidence of that, so we can't really claim that, you know what I mean? That's all just speculation at this point. Right. I No, I, 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 I agree with you. I'm just saying that 
to me, it just like that. I personally don't think that makes much sense because like we would have found evidence of like mass death or a mini plague or something from, you know, a European disease that had gotten introduced to the local native population, you know, that they didn't have any immunity to. From what it sounded like from the stories and things like that is that they weren't really like necessarily trading all too much. It's more like they're just kind of exploring the waterways. So a lot of times I bet their main contacts with uh, the two different cultures were made over long distances where disease couldn't necessarily spread. They just saw them while they're on their boat or they saw them on the coast and um, like the Vikings were on the boats sailing down the, the, the river and then the Native Americans were on the coast watching them, and that was it. And then whenever they did have contact, it seemed like they were either fighting or running away from one another, so they didn't have prolonged contact enough to, like, uh, cause diseases or anything like that as well, you know what I mean? There would have had to be a, a prolonged period of exposure, which would only really have happened if they are cohabitating or trading. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that... <clears throat> I'd be interested if there is any evidence of that, but it sounds like archaeologists would agree much more with your side that there was no, I guess, cross-contamination to the Native Americans. So, and there's, there's, there's no... I assume that... I, su I assume there was, but it probably wasn't widespread. It was probably in isolated pockets of, like, little town, civil town areas would get sick. But then they would be, like, um, uh, they, they would, like, die away. But then more people would repopulate that area or, or retake up that area or something along those lines. Um, and then archaeologists have a hard time figuring out why one uh, wave of people died and the other ones didn't. You know what I mean? Like, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. There's definitely the potential for that especially from two different continents to people mixing. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's even tribes in the modern world that live um, out on like little ocean islands and they have no contact with American or like not American, but uh, the outside world. And yeah, the outside world does not contact them because of fear of that disease and fear of, uh, of spreading those type of things. And it's definitely the potential for that is very real. And I think it did happen, but I think it happened on a smaller scale, which didn't leave any archaeological evidence behind. And if it did, it's very minute and hard to hard find. Yeah, I mean, th this is almost a thousand years ago, so it'd be exactly probably pretty hard to find. But uh, one, one of those islands or cultures you're talking about, Jared, is called North Sentinel I Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, that's the group of, like, um, like, like, there's this, there, there, there's this one story where, like, a helicopter was, like, you know, like, observing the island, like, doing a flyover or whatever, and these yeah. people, like, these people literally shot bows and arrows and, like, threw spears at the helicopter. <laughs> Oh god! But anyways, that's that's the story for another time. But anyways, I just, I mean, I I love, I I just find this kind of thing fascinating. You know, like the the like 
20 years ago, people wouldn't have even thought that, you know, Vikings and North Native Americans ever even interacted, right? Rephrase that to 80 years ago, because they found the proof uh, and evidence of the Viking civilization in 1960s. Right, so... So well, 80 years ago, they would have, wouldn't have known anything. They right. just thought uh, Christopher Columbus was the first one. Right. So, anyways, I, I guess, thanks for listening, guys. Um, uh, I guess, end of show notes is I'm, I've really liked the amount of people that, once again, we got another bump in viewership or listenership so i'm kind of i'll say celebrating that by um i released a podcast episode today on uh the disappearance of tara lee calico which i believe jared mainly did but um i'm going to be releasing this one tomorrow And I'm going to be releasing uh, three more uh, podcasts Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, and thanks for listening to this podcast. Like, I never thought it would grow this quickly. It's It it hasn't even been a year. You you know when our first episode was uploaded, Jared? It was like Um, April of, I think it was like April 11th. Ah, so we're coming up on our one year mark. Right, nice. but we're not we're not there yet. But I'd uh, I'd still argue we have a to, we've gotten a fair amount of traction at least. I'm gonna have to think of an anniversary gift to get you. <laughs> I'm good. Um, <laughs> just messing, I'm just yeah. messing. So <laughs> thank you guys once again. It means a lot to me whenever anyone listens. I once. I've said this in other recordings, but my original intent was to be a podcaster. YouTube was like almost held no interest for me. I just went there because it made more sense to me than podcasting uh, tech on the technical side. But I've obviously figured out how to uh, run and publish a podcast now. So, thank you for uh, listening. Do you have anything to add? You know, I just wanted to say thank you very much. And uh, Luke's YouTube experience from when he was doing this thing over there, which he still is. um, And I'd recommend checking out his videos. Um, That has given him a lot of, like, insight on, uh, like, uh, how to frame, like, words and, like, titles and how to kind of, like, structure the podcast better. And so I think he learned a lot from the YouTube part of it. Yeah, I'm not saying it was worthless, but, yeah. Yeah, I got you. I'm just saying it. I think it was a good experience for you. Um, And I think this podcast thing is uh, a lot um, kind of right up your alley, and I'm really glad that people are listening to us, and hopefully they're enjoying our podcast and they keep coming back. Um, So, yeah, guys, thank you for watching. Have a good night. I guess. Bye. Peace.